Hey Logo Geeks, Ian Paget here, and on this week's episode, I'm interviewing Ian Barnard to discover how he became a hand lettering artist and how he used Instagram to make it his full-time profession. But before we jump into that, I want to thank FreshBooks who have sponsored this episode. FreshBooks is an accounting software that will save you time on admin and paperwork, giving you more time to design logos. For example, you can create branded invoices in as little as 30 seconds. And when it comes around to tax time, you can export out tidy reports for expenses, invoice details and sales tax too. Right now, I'm offering listeners of the Logo Geek podcast a free 30-day trial of FreshBooks. To claim that, just head to freshbooks.com forward slash Logo Geek and be sure to enter Logo Geek in the How Did You Hear About Us section. So this week's guest is one of four co-hosts from one of my favorite design podcasts. It's called the Honest Designers Podcast, and that person is Ian Bernard, who's an incredible hand lettering artist and calligrapher. If you're not familiar with Ian's work, do make sure to go and check out his Instagram and YouTube channel, which I'll make sure to link to in the show notes for this episode. So if you want to go and check that out now, head to logogeek.uk forward slash 66, where you'll find links to Ian's website, um, YouTube channel, Instagram, and uh, all his other social channels too. So Ian started his career as a generalist graphic designer, but after learning calligraphy, he was able to build a full-time career offering that as a service, then developing things like brushes, courses, and more to build a passive income for himself. A key part of Ian's success has been his Instagram feed. So in this episode, we discover how Ian first found his passion for hand lettering And then how he used Instagram to get his first big client with a list of uh, other great advice mixed in with that too. So let's get straight into this. Here is the interview with Ian Barnard. Here today, you're a hand lettering artist, and I know that's quite a specialist thing and and I can imagine at the beginning it it didn't start that way so just to kind of give some background to you I'd I'd love to know how did you get into hand lettering so um so originally I was graphic designer I left I went through sort of college courses uh got a job in graphic design uh or doing quite simple stuff and then worked seven years at the first job left there then I got a part-time job so this is a small bit of context yeah, to sure. put me into how it goes. Then I was like a part-time job working for a magazine. So I was able to work two days for myself, like build over like a seven-year period, build up a small bank of clients uh, for, to go and then leave and go fully freelance because it's quite a, quite a scary thing to go from seven days, or no, seven days, five days to, you know, of employment to five days of you've got to get all this work in but um this is relevant to the story so so i left i decided to leave the the magazine i was working on because i was just really stressed with deadlines and stuff in terms of that that way and um it was actually on the day i left was the day that my second child was born wow so i i literally got the magazine to bed 
you know, sent it to the printers and then came home, picked up my wife, went to hospital, and then two hours later, my son was born. <laughs> so, uh, so that was that was an interesting day, you know, yeah. sort of like, uh, you know, if I'd moved house at the same time, that would have been three of the biggest events that you normally do, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but the reason why I got into lettering, uh, firstly, I got into calligraphy was the, the, the thing I got into first, which is, for those who don't know what the term calligraphy means, it's uh, sort of derived from sort of beautiful um, writing. And while uh, in the evenings, my, my wife would feed uh, our son and um, she, like last time when it was my daughter, she chose the whole 10 series of friends to watch while because she had like it's like about 30 40 minutes while she's feeding him and so and I was quite a good a big fan of friends so I was watching that with her but then this time around she chose Downton Abbey and I'm not a big period drama fan so I was like oh, I'm not really you know, I can give or take this I'm going to do something else so I'm going to learn a craft rather than go back onto you know tv or on the computer and so I decided to learn click uh you know it's got letters in it I work with some typefaces and I was like sort of links in roughly, but I got, um, I went on Google, found Cliffy for Dummies because that was the sort of level I was at. <laughs> and then I just literally started practicing every day for like 30 minutes to an hour, solidly for like six months because I'd just fallen in love with this. Um, but at the same time, because you're making such small progress uh, day in, day out, you have to like, record what you're doing so i used instagram as a form of like a catalog tool like people were using it to catalog what food they ate for lunch um so i was cataloging my progress to just for my own personal gain to see that i was getting better but in that process i started to gain a following of people like oh, i really like watching your progress you know either learning from what i was doing or just the satisfaction of seeing someone writing that way um, so that was my introduction into into the world of hand lettering. So I would do click free bits, or I would like hand letter a quote, uh, and so I just kept on doing that because I, I was just really it was sort of I've always been involved with like type, but only as a user of fonts. Mm-hmm. I never thought that I actually I'd be on the other side where I'd be creating them from scratch, you know, drawing them from scratch, and that's also led into the to me building my first typeface which I never thought I'd do I thought that was only a certain you know type of people who ever did that and I never thought I'd be that person but weirdly you know as you said niching down opened me up to a whole world of new opportunities or new um like you know making a typeface that I never thought that was something I would ever do never crossed my mind until I started lettering um, <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. Something I'm really curious about, learning calligraphy, um, I wouldn't expect that to turn into a career based on, uh, you know, what, what, I, what I've seen people done with, with calligraphy. So like when you was learning that at the beginning whilst your partner was watching Downton Abbey, <laughs> was that just for fun? Was that just like just a hobby? It literally was just starting out as a hobby. I literally, I did no, there was no intention of... Oh, you know, like some people say, okay, I can start this, practice this, and it's become my 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 business. It was literally, oh, I really enjoyed doing it because it was really traditional. So, like, yeah. we're not we're talking like uh, you know traditional dip pen. So I'd have to dip the pen in the ink, write a couple of letters, go back and dip it in the ink. So it was, you had to have quite a bit of patience. 
and it was quite a slow process. So my handwriting is terrible and it's still terrible. People think, oh, you've got beautiful handwriting. No, no, no. I've a terrible, terrible, terrible. ClickFee hasn't fixed that because it's not like I learned just one letter at a time rather than writing in long sentences in a certain style. Um, but what did happen was that like a year or so in, I was like, well, maybe I like experimented like with um, like doing a logo for like uh, a local church. I was doing some work for. I said, look, you know, oh no, actually for them, I did like a poster every year. I do a poster like advertising like a carol, you know, Christmas carols and stuff like that. And I I said, could I hand letter this for you? You know, it's going to take me three times as long to do the project, but I'll only charge you for the how long it would have taken me to do it with just using typefaces. And yeah, so I did that. They loved it. I really enjoyed doing it. So I thought, well, maybe this can be something I can just like an add-on to my design stuff. I can, you know, say, you know, you want a logo, I might be able to sort of letter that for you rather than, you know, sort of customize it a bit more. Um, and so it sort of went from, from there, really. So it wasn't an intentional thing. It was just like, oh, hang on a minute. Maybe this is something I could do. And I think what also helped was that I was purposely pushing myself to um, work in Illustrator and the pen tool. So I'd, just, you know, I'd do something on a bit of paper, like a logo, and then I'd try and redraw in Illustrator. Um, and I was like, I, I think I was just determined because the, the pen tool is one of those things that you either love or you hate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's quite intimidating. And I know a lot of designers find that. And I was just like, there's no way I'm going to get better unless I just spend time just doing it. Sometimes I would only practice because I got a job in, but I practiced by just making up something, like making up a logo, making up a, you know, sort of like a, a quote, you know, or just a few words or pretend there was a brand and I would do it just so I'd have that practice and then I could post it to like dribble or something. So I'd had like, you know, people could see that I was doing it and maybe someone would hire me to do a hand, you know, a logo like this. So Hmm. I I think it's really cool that you had the confidence at the beginning to share your progress, because I think with, with Instagram in particular, a lot of what you see when you're scrolling through is perfect. You know, you see all this flawless work from all the best, uh, you know, artist in the world is it can be quite intimidating to to share your work on there. But I, I like that you was I, I guess it's because you saw it as a hobby rather than something that would attract work. You're just documenting your process and sharing it. And I, I think I, I think that's that's a nice way to think about it and hopefully inspiring for anyone that's that's listening. I think something that I've always had is the ability to not like I think I worry now, but when at the beginning when I'm doing something, I don't worry what other people think. But I, 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 it's weirdly I do now, but I don't when I'm starting a, you know, a, a new topic. So, but something that I try and encourage to do is like, and something I heard from uh, the old legend Gary V was like, close your eyes for like two to three years, in terms of like, just don't look at. Don't worry about what other people think. No one really cares. Uh, like you know, when you're a bit like no one cared at, at the beginning. You can look back on my Instagram feed and see the minimal amount of likes, minimal amount of comments. You know, no at the beginning, no one really cares. 
and and actually that's a good place to be because you don't then get caught up with like oh no one's like this you know because like my like likes now can fluctuate between like tens of thousands of likes and so you <laughs> i've got quite a contrast between something only gets a handful of likes to something that gets a thousand like and you're like oh that's quite a massive chasm whereas before when actually no one was really following me or no one was really looking at my work I could experiment more and not worry about the what people thought sort of thing and it's the same with like how I did with YouTube as well it's just I just post stuff and now the problem is once you get a small following or you know you then start to worry about the quality of what you're putting out and that's a I find that harder now because it makes me less inclined to post stuff because I'm like oh it's not as good as I could do it I don't think I should post that now I want to like it whereas I was just like I just kept, I was loving creating, finding this new thing. There was no pressure to do it. it wasn't that my income was based around it yet. And so I, I was just doing it for the enjoyment. Whereas now I'm still doing it for the enjoyment, but I also like conscious that actually this is my main income source. So, uh, you know, yeah, you so want to this- be, you want to be seen as the expert. I do that. I, I, you know, Ian, I, th- I think that's a, a, a shame because I think if, if you thought about it as an on as an offline thing and other designers was coming in your studio, you would literally sit there, oh, I'm just playing with this. It's not perfect, but you know, that's what I'm mm. working on. You would probably show that work. And it, it's it's somewhat of a shame that that you're not comfortable to share that because I don't necessarily think it would make any impact. But I, I do I totally understand because it is your main uh you know your source of income and you know you're doing courses and products and all this other stuff around your thing i i do totally understand i i do think it's a shame um well, I, I, I do share i do share like rough stuff but it's more what i appreciate with like instagram is they've got stories so i share all the like yeah. rough stuff there but some like i've been finding it harder to post recently it's just um yeah, I don't know. I've been like posting re- like really regularly for like the past six years. Mm. And so you just like sometimes actually get to a point where you're like, oh, I don't know what to do. Mm. And um, yeah, and sometimes the ideas don't come and stuff like that. And you, um, I suppose it's hard not to, like, I think it's for me, it's not about, I suppose, the likes really. It's about like if no one interacts with it, it's like, oh, and it's just all quiet that's the thing you know no one loves it no one hates it there's that sort of indifference and it's like you say that you know you don't don't worry but you do worry yeah i understand and it's just you know everyone wants to be liked that's the problem and uh and i think that you know the social platforms emphasize that and it's it's just getting out of your head really no one because like no one really matters they just want to see a regular post and instagram's algorithm just wants you to regularly post you know up to like a couple of times a day and so sometimes at the moment i just like posting once a week to my main feed i post regularly to my stories but um sometimes i'm just like uh, i don't know what to do today that i haven't done a million times before or um you know uh yeah so it's 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 a weird place to be yeah um and i really no, i really appreciate it but it's just a weird place to be where you're just like trying not to be that sort of um you know because you make your name for yourself and then you're trying to 
uh, not let that be something that stops you from some posting so yeah I, I think it's good that you've mentioned that because I'm sure there will be people that will be listening that can probably relate with that um so ha- have you found any useful ways of kind of getting out of that rut you know where you don't know what to post because I, I know you're um I, I looked at your Instagram yesterday you have like well over 400,000 followers now which is phenomenal and all the stuff that you're posting, you know, going through your feed is incredible stuff. You know, it's, it's really inspiring. But it, it is surprising to hear that someone that's at that level is having doubts and having insecurities about posting. So have you found any way of getting out of that rut? Or is it just that you, you just get to a point where it's like, oh, I haven't posted in a week. I should post something and you just get on with it. Um, the things that really help me if I do is focusing on things. How can you help someone? Uh, not, like normally I come to my feed and I, if I'm going to post the thing is if I'm going to post something, I need it to either be helpful. So people learn from my post. Mm-hmm. It needs to be inspiring. So, you know, something, you know, making sure that the description is maybe a bit more thought out so that actually why have I posted this? What has it got to do with my life? And something I've rather than just putting like, you know, here's an emoji, <laughs> you know, thumbs up. Um, does it, um, you know, reveal something of my process? You know, people really like seeing people's process. Do I explain what tools I've used, how I got there? And so, yeah, I need to make sure it sort of, falls into one of those categories and sometimes i like you know and and rather than just posting something just like i've done this and that's it you know end of it needs to be something that's gonna resonate with my audience i think something you know sometimes i just can't think of anything to you know because it's like you like say i've posted so many times sometimes it's just hard to rethink you know I have a bit of a blank. And so I've started recently, actually, and my recent, most recent post was about like doing exercises to help you get out of that rut. So like just sort of doing stuff that's um, very much uh, just quick exercises in creativity. Maybe you have six circles and you just got to make those circles into some sort of characters or you have like, um, uh, I use letter grids, part of my products they sell here's six of them fill out six letters in total different styles uh uh or um here's a limit i'm not very good color so like here's a limited color palette and just use those uh like black white and a color and just use those to make something make three objects that are sitting around your studio so i'm trying to get into more of like doing exercises rather than you know, like if you go to the gym, you wouldn't just go straight in and just lift the heaviest weight or go into like a exercise and just really go for it. You'd do a bit of warm up. And I think that's what I'm trying to get myself into is a bit more of a warm up mm. to get my sort of creative juices flowing a bit more. You know, I, um, I like that concept as well, because um, in in the position that you're in, you know, having uh, that 400,000 following, I think you doing those exercises are giving 
something for others to do. You know, so they might mm. see the exercise and think, I'm going to try that as well. And um, I know early in the conversation when you mentioned about practicing calligraphy, you did kind of one letter at a time and really focused on that one letter. I think that kind of exercise is, is quite useful. Um, I, I did want to ask you about that one letter thing, actually. Um, when you are working on that one letter, obviously, um, I, I've done a, a few kind of studies of uh, typefaces myself. I've always been surprised as to what you should do in order to make it right. How did you go about um, knowing that you got the A right, the B right, and so on? Was you referencing some material, or was it just a case of drawing it over and over and over until you felt it looked right? Um, so uh, after I said I used um, calligraphy for dummies, that's what I started off with, and that was quite good because it was a like a range of different styles. Yeah. But I finally settled on one which is called copper plate, which is like that traditional script. Um, style and that was the thing i thought oh, i really love this style and so then i moved on to this book called mastering copper plate calligraphy um by uh, eleanor winters if anyone's interested in getting it and so she in her book it would go through letter by letter that's why i was doing it and so i'd have her reference and, and i've still got all the stuff in my loft of pages and pages of me doing like yeah like say an a that, that, that's loads of instagram content there for you, <laughs> you, I know. Well, if you look, and take photos <laughs> or hey if you look back yeah if anyone looks back what i love is the fact that you know i've haven't perfected my feed i've left everything all the original posts there where it is loads and loads of me doing like an o and what i'd look because something that and this works in all, all all areas of of the creative industry is that you look at your work and the reference you're trying to practice from and you self-critiquing not in a like a negative way but you look at it and you think okay uh where where about some i uh, where are my letters falling down you know where is is the weight in the right place is uh, the angle at the right you know is it consistent over them all um is it hitting the right place on the baseline on the x height and stuff like that so you're yeah so like in the middle of the book once you're going through the letters it then goes on to you know self-critiquing and she says like a before and after of what you know what were you looking out for and i think that's really important whatever you're doing is to looking for what how can i make this better mm. and that really helped me to understand how to, to take it to another level because like i see a lot of people lettering um, but they're just doing it like with no reference or not gone through a course or gone through a book and just hoping by practicing it's going to be made better. But the problem is if you've got nothing to reference, you don't know if you're getting better or how to make it better. Um, and so what I recommend for people is, is just sort of like, you know, taking a step back, looking and going through it and maybe marking out what could I make, you know, is this is this, you know, all following the same sort of way, especially with like type and type design and lettering is that there's certain things like consistency of weight throughout the letters, consistency of the sort of angle, if it's like slanted, like script is. And yeah, it's those little things that can really move your work from good to sort of great. Um, and 
you know, especially like, you know, logo design in general, printing it off and going through with like a, you know, red marker and just highlighting areas where it just doesn't sit right. And you get that by going, you know, doing that process a lot and like looking at maybe a logo that is weighted right and just saying, okay, that's what they've done there or, you know, stuff like that. So, yeah, that's, that's normally how, that's how I would get better was just looking over my letters and just seeing whether I got it. And then I'd yeah. move on to the next letter. Obviously, I'd get to a certain point and I go, okay, it's just about right. Let me move on to another letter. I'll always get really bored of just doing the same letter every day. <laughs> but yeah, you know, the thing is with like ClickFit, it's just shapes. People think, I think when I first started, I got quite overcomplicated it, but actually it's just like circles or lines. And what you're doing is just trying to get your head and your hand working together so that those circles look like what you're trying to do is got a nice oval shape rather than a like um, sort of a potato kind of shaped circle. <laughs> it's like, like a bit wobbly and a bit not uneven. And the lines just need to be lines, I suppose. And the more you draw a line, the better you're going to get. So, um, I, I really like that um, whilst learning, and I, I guess you're still doing it today, you're quite self-aware of when something's not quite right. And it sounds like, I mean, that book, obviously, I'd like to check that one out myself. And I'm sure listeners will too. But I, I'm thinking if if that does teach you how to like be observant and and um, kind of critique your own work, then you're just going to be continuously improving and and adding to that. Because I, I definitely think that's one of the key reasons why you've progressed in in your skill set and have become so incredibly talented with hand lettering is because you're able to do something step back and look at it in a different way and analyze and critique your own work to develop it further yeah uh, but i've got a caveat to that okay so when i was posting i like you know sometimes i'm just you know because when i'm recording a video of me doing something it takes me like between half an hour and an hour to do the piece when I sort of prepped it, you know, done some little rough sketches and then I do the piece. It can then take me like three hours to edit it. So the problem is, is that I don't spend long enough on the piece for like, doing for Instagram that I would normally do. And so I have to be okay. And it's something I heard in a video recently where the person said, I'm going to stop trying to get to hundred percent perfect on my videos and just do them 70% so I can actually get them out. And so what I think I've been struggling with is that the if I actually spend a lot of time on it, like maybe if I'm doing a logo design for someone, I would spend a lot more time on it because it's for a client. Whereas when it's for me and for posting to my Instagram, I have to be quite quick and not have this. I don't have that luxury of that time mm. of like refining it over and over again. And so it's that sort of like I know there's things I can like you know because and then you then it's there you know it's up on there and it's done but then I know that oh I wish I'd spend more time on that and I wish I spent more time on refining that a or whatever that may be um but it's getting into mindset okay I'm happy with that 70 percent because it means I've got that content out there 
um like for instance like you know with youtube it's just and that's a great mentality to have it's just you know doing it 70 percent because like just getting the content out there helps you to become a better youtuber in terms of sharing you know for me sharing more about lettering rather than worrying for ages about this 100 percent video that, that no one might ever care about and you've spent forever on it um it's just about you know and you don't get to decide what is going to be popular and what's not and that's the thing you know some of my most popular posts or my popular products have taken me less time and i didn't think they would do very well whereas some of the things i've like really scrutinized over have done rubbish <laughs> so it, you don't i don't think you get to decide what what is going to be like amazingly liked amazingly commented on but it's that you know putting out a post after post for your own self you know some of those will really connect with people you don't know what that's going to be and that's what how my you know over this past six years has been what's helped me to get to a certain level is just keep posting don't worry just keep posting because every time you post it's like the thing is with digital stuff is that there's no finite, you can just keep going, keep tweaking it and stuff like that. But you need that like posting. It's a bit like, you know, a deadline with a client, you know, it's done, it's gone, it's finished. And you have to have that to be able to then move on to the next one and then make that a little bit better rather than just staying on one project forever. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know what? I, I think that's the way you need to be. I'm, I'm like that with some uh, client projects. I'm like that with my podcast just because, um, like I set aside time in my diary. I, I have to get it done. You work through it, you get it to a point and you, you put it out there. And I, I think the main difference between, you know, approaching that way and, and getting it to a point where in your head it's 100% perfect is it, it gets done and it, it helps others and it helps you. Like I very much doubt that you would be where you are now if you, um, you know, faffed about to get it to that 100%. Mm. There's a book uh, that I recommend, not a design book. It's called Atomic Habits by James Clear. And it's all about, you know, getting rid of old habits, getting on new habits. But there's a story in the book where it talks about the British cycling team, how they were like rubbish for ages until they brought this new coach on who instead of just like looking at one area and just trying to push that out to 100%, he in every area he said if we can manage to push it up one percent you know then over the whole aspect so this was like looking at stuff like they painted the inside of their vans white so they could see any dust particles that would get on the bike they would uh check on what pillows the athletes were sleeping on or the mattresses the temperature of the room the temperature of the training room the clothes that they were wearing so if every area you can up it by one percent which is a tiny amount but overall you know that is a massive increase and then they went on to win you know gold in every aspect and so if you think okay every time I post, I, the next post is going to be 1% better, which is tiny, isn't it? Really tiny, but over a, a space of a year, that's a massive percentage of how much better you're going to get. So I think we can get quite overwhelmed with uh, the, the, the journey, but it's just about all it is, is not, you know, because we, and we compa compare it ourselves to other people, you know, it's just about how much better you are 
than yesterday or the last time you post. And you just think, okay, what one thing can I tweak? Just that little one percent. It might be how you know, just for me, you know, it's okay, let me just spend like one more minute on my that letter E to make it a bit more refined. Uh, or let me just spend one more 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 minute on tweaking that colour just to make it look a bit better. And it it's amazing. Oh, then you look back over that year and you just see how far you've come. And that's the same with like, you know, you're doing video production. Every time I do a video, I go, okay, let me try a different lighting setup or, okay, let me just change my microphone, see if that works or the setting here or, you know, doing this, doing that. And it, and it, it works, but it's only over a long period of time. And you have to, those 1% over a long period of time, just add up. Yeah. I, I think the important <laughs> thing with that, because uh, a lot of what, um, designers do young designers in particular it, it's easy to compare yourself with other people but I, I think the important thing that you made clear there is that you need to compare yourself with who you was yesterday and and work to improve your own personal skills and what I love about what you did at the beginning in particular is because you um, created something shared it you kind of did that for yourself so that you can see your own progression. Mm. And I think that's a good way to look at it. And by doing that and being quite self-aware as you have been, I think all of it all together, you know, the whole approach that you've done and all the technologies that are there, it's meant that with each thing that you're doing, you are like climbing this ladder that's like one millimeter step at a time and you're, you're gradually, um, uh, climbing up that ladder I think I think yeah. it's really inspiring and I hope that young designers in particular you know or anyone that's just starting out take that approach rather than trying to I don't know look at your work and keep thinking oh, I'm never going to be that good because <laughs> I remember the feeling when I was just starting out looking at other people that were way above me and I was like no way am I ever going to get anywhere near to the quality of work they have but just you know you you go through it again and again you know you just keep doing it keep doing it you know patience is an underrated value to have because like just steadily working at it and then like you you're two years in and you look back and you're like oh hang on a minute you know and you look at the work you thought was out of reach is actually on the level of where you are now and you're just like, oh, I never thought that. But you, you, you're so intimidated by this sort of like journey ahead of you, this mountain, this massive mountain you've got to climb. And you're like, oh, it's never going to happen. But it's just like, actually, don't look up. Just look at, you know, here and now. Just take a few steps. I think there's like a famous quote about that. But, you know, just, just those small steps and they all add up. But the, the problem is we're, we're so used to everything coming instantly that, you know, nothing happened in terms of me for like two years of, of solidly posting like every day for, you know, five days a week for two years. But then after two years time, I got an inquiry, got my firm branded client. I thought it was going to be a local designer for local companies, you know, like Joe Bloggs, a builder or, you know, state agents in the town. But then, you know, after two years of posting, I got the first job for like uh, Speedo, the swimwear brand, wanting me to do some hand lettering on a poster. And I was like, you know, and I was like, I'm getting paid for something that is just my hobby. <laughs> and that's that sort of, you know, mind blown moment. 
I just want to take a short break to thank FreshBooks, who has sponsored this season of the podcast. As creators, we like to spend our time creating clever ideas that give value to our clients. But a lot of us spend way too much time running our business, doing things like creating invoices, chasing payments and logging all of our expenses. And that's actually where FreshBooks can help. It's an accounting software designed specifically for creative professionals like you that's so easy to use. You'll save hours each week on all of the time consuming admin that you're doing. And that means that you have more time to focus on designing logos and brand identities. Time-saving features in FreshBooks includes creating and sending branded invoices in about 30 seconds. You can set up credit card payments right from your invoices, meaning that your clients can pay faster. And when tax time rolls around, you'll also be able to export tidy reports for expenses, invoice details, and sales tax to make working with an accountant really simple. Right now, I'm offering listeners of the Logo Geek podcast a free 30-day trial of FreshBooks. No credit card required. Just head to freshbooks.com forward slash Logo Geek and enter Logo Geek in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Now let's get back to the interview. Wait, so posting on Instagram, nothing (laughs) happened for two years. And then when someone did get in touch with you, it just happened to be... Speedo, it was a brand. Yeah, so wow. So what happened? Why? How that came about? Because I get a lot of questions from designers saying, "Well, how do I, you know, get work through Instagram?" Um, is that uh, is that people following you? Um, some of them might be working for agencies, and because I was niching. You know, I would never have got this job if I was a general graphic designer because they have designers at these places. You know, because um, you know, there's a bigger company that owns all these brands. So they have a design department and blah, blah, blah. Um, but one of the designers who was working for them, project came up, needed some hand lettering. I was regular, consistent at what, posting on Instagram. And they were like, well, well, Ian, that's the name that pops off my head straight away. He's popping up my feed all the time. Let's contact him and see if he wants to get on board. You know, so I met up with, with the designer there. And... Um, uh, you we had a chat. I did the job for them. Then I got other jobs through there from like another. I went and did like live click free for a, a, a fashion brand um, in a store for three days. Uh, yeah, like a press thing where I did some like drawing on shoe bags for the shoe company. And yeah, it was like amazing the opportunities that that brought me. But you have to think, you know. You don't know, like, it's not just a traditional, here's a company, they just go to your website. That, that's less of how it works for me. It's, you know, on these different platforms, you don't know where there's going to be someone wanting to use your services and who's following you at the time. So if you're regular, you know, you're popping up all the time, you're going to get used to your name being out there and it's going to be at the forefront of their mind. That's that's one of the reasons why you need to post regularly is yeah. so that your name is always uh, up there at the top of the list. Yeah, well, it's that compound effect, isn't it? Because I've experienced that myself with everything that I've been doing with Logo Geek. Because at the beginning, uh, it was just a, well, I mean, it still kind of feels like a hobby. Um, Mm. But at the beginning, it was just a hobby, not the best logo designer, but just the, the, the sheer act of 
sharing content on a daily basis and um, yeah, just creating content, putting it out there, consistently doing that. Uh, I, I know uh, Tom Ross, who's on the Honest Designers podcast with you, he literally told me this story of how he was speaking to someone that said that they needed a logo design. And Tom knows like, Tom probably knows half the graphic designers out there. The first person that came to their mind was me. And I, I find that amazing because I don't necessarily see myself as the, the best that there is, but I, I think it's just because um, when you do share your work or your content or um, anything around one particular specialist area, you, you just get known for it. And, and I think that's, that's one of the um, benefits of niching down. If you're a generalist graphic designer, you're not going to be the person that comes to mind. But if, if say, you know, you're speedo and you need that hand lettering, who's going to, who are they going to contact? The first person they think of that can do that. And you were sharing that stuff every day. And you said it's not always your best, but you, you post out every day. And look what happened. <laughs> do you know what? what they, when they referenced, because they, what they do with the document is they have like, here's styles that we like of yours or they found on the internet none of the reference ones were any client work you know any any jobs i'd done it was all stuff i'd done myself so like uh uh it was just like it was a quote one of the main pieces and one of the ones that referenced on like nearly every other job i got after that was this one which was like somewhat this there was this uh uh, old guy's face and I'd put a BB quote, BB King quote over it about um, the great thing about learning is that no one can take it away from you. Mm-hmm. And, and it was drawn over the face in lots of different styles. And that got referenced like again and again and again. But if you look back at that post, it didn't get that many likes, but it was referenced as something that they liked the style of by them and by other companies. And the, and the other pieces that were there as well were similar. They were just stuff I'd, come up with to post that day that was off my own back was nothing to do with any projects people you know supplied for me to do and it's it's that thing about you know don't wait for jobs to come around to be able to post it just make stuff up do you know like make a coffee brand make up this make up that just so you've got like examples people want to see you 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 know and they want to see the whole process you know they want to see the sketches. They want to see the, you know, the trials and the errors and stuff like that. Cause that also what builds trust as well. Cause they can see a big volume of my work. They can see, Oh yeah. You know, he knows what he's talking about rather than just here's a perfectly finished piece. But how did he get to that? You know, is there any ideas behind it or is he just randomly come up with it? So, you know, that, that really, uh, really helped me to get some pieces, you know, mm. get it, some jobs it's, out there. It's interesting that, um, it was a fictional thing that that got you that work. Um, just thinking out loud, like one of the struggles that I would have with that type of thing is I, I do a lot of client work and that always takes a priority. So in terms of like playing, I guess, you know, playing mm. with uh, fictional projects, it's, it, it, it's hard to do that. But I can see that you are finding a way to make time to create content for Instagram. How are you going about doing that? Like how much time are you spending to 
create these um, pieces for Instagram that could be fictional. Um, well, it's, let's say now because like, like, because um, I could spend all day and it doesn't really matter because right. my my work is a bit different now and it's but back in the beginning i was like what was weird was i did take a gamble when i noticed that this is something i really enjoyed and that instagram was um the platform i sort of like really resonated with was that i started prioritizing social media over my work i had to do <laughs> so i got behind on a lot of work and it was quite a gamble because <laughs> it was like i didn't earn like even though I got a couple of jobs in with the branding stuff, it wasn't a full-time thing. And it hasn't been a full-time thing until this past three years, I think, past three or four years. Um, and so it took quite a while to actually become, but I prioritized the social media, but then I obviously I had to try and get on my, on my other work. Mm-hmm. And so I would do that first, then I'll get on with like, Oh, this website I need to do right. or stuff. So I, I didn't allocate a certain amount of time. I just thought I just need to get something out. So it could be like last thing in the evening. I just like, oh, I haven't posted yet. Uh, I'll do this quote. <laughs> yeah, just so you, you just made it a routine. So like, you know, in the morning that you need to brush your teeth and you do that, you know, even if even if you wake up late, you're still going to do that. You know, it's just something that, that we do out of, um, you know, out of routine. It, it yeah. sounds like you made posting on social media that thing that you had to do every day without exception yeah and like i was only i wasn't earning much as well my wife was any more than me she was part-time <laughs> so i wasn't really i'm not very good at pricing as well so i was doing a lot of jobs like you know 300 pounds for like a massive website <laughs> so i was like really bad at pricing and so and then i was prioritizing social media which wasn't earning me any money <laughs> and so i was not in a great place i don't think but i'm glad i did invest in that because it did pay off in the end um and i think it's that's the problem it's like um it's like you know short-term investments versus long-term investments you know you, you don't just buy some stocks or shares or you know invest in a pension and just hope next year it's doubled in price doesn't really happen like that it's you know you have to five ten years until you actually make some money and i was like i I think i had that i wasn't i think it was on purpose it was just i i was so enjoying it i was like well i'm just going to keep doing this and see what happens you know because i started in when this sort of like resurgence of sort of stuff like hand lettering and sewing and baking and all these other crafts which had sort of felt a bit like they'd been left you know, had been quite quiet for a while, just taken on a whole new life with Instagram and, you know, YouTube and stuff like that really being promoted. So it was, um, yeah, I was just loving, I was sort of uh, loving it and, over, you know, everything was just, you know, I couldn't get enough of it. And I mm. suppose when you're like that, it, it doesn't feel like work when you're doing the social media part. And it was a nice break from, because oh, I wasn't really actually, you know, I wasn't like, I wasn't enjoying doing the web work. I wasn't enjoying doing brochures, magazines anymore. Something that I, that really helped me was actually looking at design and thinking and being okay that I didn't like the whole, whole spectrum of what, what design encompasses. 
I thought as a designer, as a graphic designer, you had to like everything and do everything. And actually, when I actually looked at it and made a conscious side, okay, what do I like and what do I dislike about design? And, uh, you know, I was just like, actually, I don't like doing websites. Uh, I don't like doing this. I don't like doing that. And I was like, and just being okay with that mm. uh, and just being able to like put that aside. So, you know, once I was able to get a few sort of the lettering clients in and stuff like that, I was able to then sort of say goodbye to that. Mm. And, and also saying, I don't know, we've got time now, but something I also tried to do on the side was like a side project of like, cause I was so interested in everything to do with typography. I started making logo templates to sell to other designers, which did all right and got like a couple of hundred pounds per month. But then I, I started to produce products that gave my lettering like vintage effects and like stamp like effects. And actually one of those took off that actually over wiped out how much my other stuff was bringing in in terms of the quantity. And then I was able, able to sort of have like a passive income mm. um, through like a side shop I had, which yeah. is actually what I do, yeah. you know, cause that's what I, show, what I actually do now is, is through, I make digital products. Yeah. I go through phases. I went through a phase of sort of just making typefaces for ages. So I've got like 16 typefaces you know, and start selling them. And I didn't realize that, you know, you, you can make much money from doing that, whether I could sustain myself through that. And that seemed to work and creating brushes, which is what I'm doing at the moment, brushes for Procreate, the app on the iPad that help help people with their lettering. And that, that has been real blessing to my business as well. So I, I don't actually take any client work on now, which yeah. is an amazing position <laughs> to be in because it's like you go through like, you ever wonder whether you're going to be able to pick and choose the work you do. I remember at the beginning, I was just like, someone's offering some work. I'll take it. Don't matter what it is. I'll take it. <laughs> and then you get to a point where you like, you can actually say yes or no, which is an amazing place to be in, but takes a long time to get there. And now I'm in a place where actually the thing I enjoy the most and the thing that's just really works so well with my like Instagram and YouTube is the fact that I produce products that help other people. Mm. um with their lettering which is what my audience is made up of so it's mm. that sort of i've got to that place where it's actually in line because like typefaces didn't really resonate even though they're to do with lettering weren't something that my audience wanted to buy because they were trying to create their own or you know mm. draw their own and so it wasn't until i produced like specific things that helps them to get better that you know it became that's all i really want to do because that's what I enjoy and that's what I'm good at. So, Yeah, I, I'm glad that you explained that because I, I was going to ask you about it because I, I did notice um, researching for this interview, I went on your contact page and you've literally got a line on there that states that you, you're not taking on any um, client work unless it's kind of sponsored for your Instagram and YouTube, which is it's, it's a phenomenal place to be in really because... Um, you know, if you think back, uh, I don't know how long ago it was, but you know, going back to the that day when your partner was watching Downton Abbey and you just started, you know, watching some calligraphy videos, to it overtaking uh, the the work that you was doing originally, that web design work, and then you got to a point where you could create products that overtook that, and now you're in this incredible situation where it sounds like you can just spend all your time creating nice um, little pieces for Instagram and 
am I right? It sounds like you can pretty much do whatever you want now. <laughs> oh, it, it does sound like that. Yeah. I still, I suppose I still need to earn some money. So like, yeah. so, like there's, there's pros and cons of basing all your income on sales <laughs> is that some days I make no sales and you're like, Oh no, is anyone ever going to buy any of my products ever again? Yeah. Cause like, you know, there's, the two ends of the spectrum you've got client work which is you agree on a price you do the job and then they pay you whereas with sales it's like you create products so you sort of create beforehand and then you put it out there and hope that someone buys it so and you're not like it could like be overwhelmingly successful or like a lot of my products no one buys it or like 10 people buy it and it's only like a 10 dollar product or 19 dollar product and you know you've spent weeks and weeks on it, and you've made back hundred dollars. <laughs> and you're like, oh, like, oh, uh, sorry, children, uh, we're just gonna have some baked beans tonight. Um, and so you, you do have both sides of the spectrum. But I, I think because um, what I've managed to do without trying, I want to emphasize that I just make this up as I go along. There's never any master plan. It's just like, I'll try this and it seems to work. Or I'll try that. It doesn't work. But um, I have like small, like something I'm trying to build up is like um, having like seven streams of income. It sounds like a lot, okay. but like when you're doing like, again, talking about like investments, not that I have any investments, but it's a good analogy is that they say is that you don't like, if you're going to buy some shares in a company, you don't just buy from one company, you buy it in lots of different companies. Cause like, if, you know, overnight Microsoft or Apple went under, that's all your money gone. Mm. So what you do is you spread yourself over a lot of different companies so that, you know, some are going to gain, some are going to lose. And so what I've done is like, I wanted to make it up. So I had like seven strings that if one string broke, I wouldn't be, cause if I, you know, if my, like my own personal shop just suddenly went under, it would be like I'm unemployed because I, um, I have no other sources of income. Mm. And so I've got like, uh, yeah, I have all these little different parts. So for instance, like YouTube, just from like ad revenue, I get like 200 $250 per month. Yeah. Uh, so that's just a small, tiny bit. Over a few months period, I might get a couple of sponsored videos for that. And that's another couple. Uh, Skillshare regularly sponsor my Instagram stories every other month. So that's like a small little bit. Uh, then I've got like um, my own shop. I've got a shop on Creative Market. I've got a shop on Design Cuts. Uh, I've got a few products on like uh, Affinity Designers Store. I've got uh, some of my fonts on FontSpring on my fonts. And so it's just these, they're only bringing in like a trickle all over the place, but they're just enough to sort of balance that mm. sort of thing. And so, uh, uh, and with my own shop, it's sort of linked in with Instagram. So I need to post regularly. So people see me using my products in my post and then they go, Oh, what product are you using there? Uh, that's really good. And I say, well, I've, it's, it's one I've made. Look at my shop. You'll see it. And so that's sort of that link into there. And like Tom actually is Tom Ross has actually been really helpful in helping me to do email, email marketing, which is something yeah. that I didn't, didn't have a clue about uh, and using that as well to sort of bring in some business, you know, that on that sort of attention that's not distracted by other social media bits, you know, it's just, just from my shop. So I'm trying to bring in, you know, do that. So it's less stressful that you, get to the end of the month you're like oh no i've not got any money coming in or my shop's doing really badly here or 
it's it's just trying to even it all out and mm. so mm. um and so yeah that's that's why i put that i you know i had, I had to make conscious thing is i was getting a lot a lot of requests for t-shirt designs or logos for startups and i was like i've just I'm not that interested in doing those things. So I, I put that on there just because I was getting email after email and I was just mm. trying to think of a way I could sort of, sort of stop that. Um, you know, I was very blessed that I was getting so many inquiries, but actually it wasn't what I was wanting to do. You know, a lot of people would want to do that. For me, it was like actually the product, the digital product thing is the stuff that I really enjoy doing. And last year I got, finally got a course out there, just a small one like um, on Skillshare, just explaining like ways to up your script lettering and i hope to sort of release more of those that's like so that can be another revenue stream so it's just like building upon what you're doing i think uh i wish i started earlier or i tried to start earlier actually with like shutterstock you know and iStock, and i was doing like vector illustrations but one i'm not a particularly good at illustration and <laughs> you know they were making like so I was like selling like a few a month and it was making like $20. So it wasn't really like much of a, an income stream. But um, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's been a very, very blessing to my, my yeah. work. And it yeah. Was, yeah, and again, it wasn't something I like pursued. It was, I was enjoying it. So like posting social media, I was enjoying uh, making digital products. I was enjoying graphic design in general. I wasn't really enjoying so yeah it, it really sounds what... like you've been able to um create a, a you, you've been able to diversify your income based on mm -hmm. things that you enjoy you're, you're not relying on um you know one single stream of income and and i think um you know that's why you've been able to make a, a success of it because you you know you're creating these things but you're being quite intelligent about how you're putting it out there to get um, consistent income and to be able to basically focus on what you love and I, I think that's really what you've shown to me and everyone else listening that you can kind of carve a career out of anything and um, you've been able to do that with calligraphy and hand lettering and Ian I think it's really inspiring <laughs> it's a really oh. inspiring story um, we spoke for about an hour now so I think we're kind of uh, wrap up the interview um but you like i said your story is really inspiring um i hope that people listening to this will have enjoyed it so i don't know if you've got anything else to add but i just want to say thanks for your time it's it's been great to speak with you oh, it's been a pleasure uh something i would say is that you know something um uh you know the, the sort of the question of what would you say to your younger self is that actually you know it wasn't actually the creativity and all that stuff that i needed to speak my younger self about it's all about yeah. um learn business and marketing yeah. and how important that is to your creative career is just i just didn't realize until the past couple of years just like you may be the best designer in the world but no one knows about you then it doesn't really matter <laughs> so yeah, yeah, you know yeah. and you know this is and what you know, Instagram, digital products, um, all of it is tied in with the fact that you're like, you're marketing yourself, um, mm -hmm. you know, or marketing what you sell. Like, um, you know, my products have done well because I've been able to market them well. Um, 
and that marketing looks different from uh you know there's lots of different streams to marketing but like you know i market my products by designing a piece and posting it to instagram that's one way of marketing and so you know i think if you can learn marketing and you know business and marketing has just been so so important i wish i started earlier in terms of like whether it's building up an email list that's one thing designers can do you know give away some free products on your website in exchange for an email address so then if you're ever doing um uh like digital products or if you've got a course or you've got a youtube channel or you've got you know something like that you can email them you have their full attention and you know that can be something that can generate some revenue um because even as a designer if you're employed or you're a freelancer um having other streams of income other than just client work is always really good and it just takes that it just takes the stress off 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 you know if if you're having a quiet month i know it's like when you're like you get paid for like you might get like some income in one month that covers the next month but then you're in the next month and you worry about whether you're actually going to get your work in at all mm. and so having like a, a regular stream of income is just is so helpful to that mm. yeah I, I think that's incredible advice i i totally agree with the with marketing um especially if if you're going to be working for yourself mm. um you know within large companies they have a marketing team and if you're working for yourself you you need to do that job you need to mm. you need to be able to do all of these different jobs from your accounting stuff uh to running the business that works properly to the account management but definitely the most important thing and it's the same in any company is the sales and marketing without without the marketing there's no leads coming in and no. and you need to then be able to sell so i think um even if uh, you can be the worst designer in the world but if you're marketing yourself and people can find you you will get clients or in comparison you can be the best designer in the world like literally the most incredible designer in the world but if no one knows about you or can find you you won't get any work <laughs> yeah, so marketing thing, is, yeah yeah um and actually good good work doesn't fall in your lap because i like when I was just doing freelance design, I was getting work in, but it was, it wasn't very good work. Mm. And that was, you know, so I wasn't advertising or as not you know, wasn't marketing myself. So I just got very average low paid work. Mm. But if you want actual good work, then that's when you have to really market yourself. Mm. So you get in front of, you know, like for me, you know, getting in front of uh, agencies that have brands like Speedo and stuff like that mm. and jobs. That I, I was like really, you know, being able to see some like, being able to see your work like i saw it on like an advert that was on facebook with some of my lettering in it and i was like phenomenal to see you know see that happen but it was only because i was pushing myself out there otherwise it would have just been local work for a local designer and sometimes that's not the best thing especially in my local town where they're not (laughs) local companies don't have much of a budget to spend on design or they don't understand um what, what you know why you're charging what you're charging so mm-hmm. well ian there's been loads of um great um advice and uh yes yeah, i've really enjoyed this conversation and um fingers crossed listeners will have enjoyed it too but um yeah thanks so much for coming on uh, you're welcome and if anyone uh you know needs any more questions answered, please feel free to to contact me you know through my instagram or email and stuff like that just to uh yeah 
<laughs> any Brilliant. I'll, so. I'll make sure to link to all of that in Brilliant. the show notes so that people can easily easily find you thank Brilliant. you very much. thanks Ian it's really good good time if you enjoyed this interview let both myself and Ian know by giving us both a shout out on social media or if you're out on the move whilst listening to this just for fun why not take a photo of where you're listening to the show i'd love to see where in the world this episode lands and i think that would be a really fun way of doing it so if you are out on the move just take a picture of where you're listening to this episode post it on social media and tag myself and ian in that to learn more about ian barnard and to find things like his youtube instagram courses brushes and so on head to ianbarnard.net Alternatively, head to the show notes for this episode where I'll link to all of that as well as any books mentioned as well as a full transcription of the interview too. To find the show notes, simply head to logogeek.uk forward slash 66. Again, to find that, head to logogeek.uk forward slash 66. If you'd like to discuss anything mentioned in this episode with me and almost 8,000 other graphic designers from around the world, join the Logo Geek community on Facebook. It's totally free to join and incredibly active. So to find it, just head to logogeek.uk forward slash community or search Logo Geek on Facebook and hopefully you'll find it that way. If you're enjoying the podcast and want to give back in some way, why not write a review on iTunes? I put a lot of time into this show, so it's always very much appreciated when I read kind reviews on things like iTunes. So if you've done that already, or if you can spare some time to write one now, I must say it's very much appreciated. So thank you so much. So that is it for this week, but I will see you the same time next week for another exciting episode of the Logo Geek Podcast.